Hello and welcome back to the Black Doctors podcast on this week's episode of Ethically Sourced. I'm going to be reviewing an article that was recently published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. The article is entitled Mandating COVID-19 Vaccines. It's uh, authored by uh, Lawrence Gostin. He is a lawyer working out of the O'Neill Institute for National and Global Health Law. That's a part of Georgetown University. Also, there's a Dr. Salmon, S-A-L-M-O-N, Salmon, uh, who is with the Institute for Vaccine Safety and works out of the Johns Hopkins uh, School of Public Health. There's also a Heidi Larson or Dr. Larson, PhD, working out of the London School of Public Health. As we're talking about these COVID-19 vaccines, uh, we know that with the SARS-CoV-2 or the Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2, the vaccines hold a fairly significant promise that they're going to start controlling this pandemic and bringing back a normal way of life. The Food and Drug Administration has provided an emergency use authorization for at least two uh, vaccines at this point, two messenger RNA vaccines, and there's likely a couple more emergency use authorizations pending and perhaps soon a full biologics license coming in in the near future. Anticipating uh, vaccine scarcity, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices has published guidance on vaccine priorities. With the data we currently have, it was enough to allow for an emergency use authorization with the reported 95% efficacy of these vaccines. Uh, Even, however, with this highly effective uh, vaccine efficacy, we can't quite curb this pandemic without a high population coverage and maintenance of the other mitigation strategies, wearing masks, uh, physically distancing, proper hand hygiene sanitization. Some recent data from over 1,600 adults that were surveyed back in November, uh, between November 30th and December 8th of 2020, found that when a COVID-19 vaccine is approved and widely available, 34% would get this as soon as possible, 39% would wait, and only 9% would get this if it was required for school or work. There's roughly 15% of the people that were polled that would absolutely not get this vaccine. Among Black Americans who are at high risk of infection, hospitalization, and worse outcomes from this COVID-19 pandemic, they were less likely to report an intent to receive the vaccine. Only about 20% reporting that they would get the vaccine soon, and over 15, over 52% of the people that responded and identified as Black intended to wait to receive the vaccine. This intent continues to change over time, is continuing to evolve. So this article focuses on whether vaccine mandates would be lawful and ethical and if they could boost the uh, number of people that take and receive this vaccine. At the time being, it is ethically problematic and legally problematic as well to mandate these COVID-19 vaccines because they're only released under an emergency use authorization. The vaccine mandates are unjustified because an emergency use authorization requires less safety and efficacy data than a full biologics license application approval. Individuals would also likely distrust vaccine mandates under emergency use, viewing this as an ongoing medical research project. Now, should the SARS-CoV-2 vaccines be mandatory? Uh, Once these vaccines receive a biologics license 
application, which essentially means they're they're free to be given, they're no longer under emergency use authorization. It's up to the policymakers to determine which and if any at all popula- populations should uh, have mandated vaccine administration. The vaccine mandates could be imposed in multiple sectors, each with their own legal and ethical considerations. With regards to the states, uh, this article quotes uh, the Jacobson versus Massachusetts 1905 uh, decision where the judiciary has consistently upheld vaccine mandates. Uh, If you recall, all states require some form of childhood vaccines as a condition of school entry. Um, You know, these are demonstrated to maintain high coverage and to prevent vaccine-preventable diseases. All states grant uh, medical exemptions in 45 states, including Washington, D.C., also grant religious exemptions. 15 of our states also allow philosophical exemptions for uh, vaccine administration. Oftentimes, you'll see these folks that deem themselves exempt from vaccines, they'll they'll cluster geographically and socially. You know, these are different communities that disagree with vaccination, and oftentimes they live together and they socialize together. And this leads to a higher risk of outbreaks of disease in these communities. Strengthening the rigor of this application process and enforcement of these vaccines are associated with an improved vaccination rate. Um, These adult vaccine mandates are rare, but at least 16 states require influenza or hepatitis B vaccinations for post-secondary education. So before going to college, I remember having to take the uh, uh, meningococcal vaccine before I went to college or I couldn't stay in the dorms. Given how rare adult mandates are, states are unlikely to enact a mandatory COVID-19 vaccination for the adult population, especially without long-term safety data. This is an opinion of the authors, but I think it's it's very valid and they bring up some very good points. With regards to healthcare facilities, this is a different subject matter. Um, Healthcare workers are at an increased risk of contracting infectious diseases and transmitting to vulnerable populations. Because of this, healthcare institutions must institute infection control protocols, and many of these institutions require healthcare workers to receive the influenza vaccine at a minimum. You know, every year at hospitals I've worked at, we've had to receive the flu vaccine. There were waivers for religious purposes or um, medical comorbidities that would prevent you from receiving the vaccine. But oftentimes, these were either not compatible with continuing employment at this institution, or you had to take other precautions, whether it's wearing masks uh, during flu season. These healthcare facilities owe both a legal and an ethical duty, both to staff and to the patients, to ensure a safe environment. Patients come in to receive care, and it would be irresponsible and unethical for them to be exposed or at a greater risk because of uh, shortcomings in the healthcare facility. Because vaccines prevent hospitalizations, their wide use in healthcare settings may reduce worker shortages. Even among health workers, however, SARS-CoV-2 vaccine mandates could be counterproductive given the stress of working during a pandemic. Offering non-medical exemptions could reduce health worker concerns over mandates. Let's look at other types of businesses, maybe those not in healthcare. In a recent Yale CEO survey of 150 executives, 71% supported companies requiring COVID-19 vaccines. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission has ruled that businesses can compel employees to submit a SARS-CoV-2 test as a condition of employment. 
Recently, the agency determined that employers can require COVID-19 vaccines and bar employees from the workplace if they refuse. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, earlier issued guidance permitting employers to require influenza vaccinations. The EEOC, however, requires employers to grant medical exemptions and offer reasonable accommodations based on religion or disability. Businesses will rely on high vaccine coverage to facilitate a return to normal operating practices. Sectors ranging from food service and transportation to the arts and sports and humanities have all been economically harmed by these public health restrictions, as well as by consumer reluctance to risk being exposed to SARS-CoV-2. In many settings like meat packing plants, there is high occupational risk of virus transmission. Businesses have an ethical and legal duty to keep their workers and customers safe. Thus, businesses that require in-person attendance cater to vulnerable customers or both may consider mandates with accommodations for medical, religious, or disability reasons. When it comes to post-secondary education, so there's colleges and universities that also need high vaccine coverage to safely reopen in-person learning. Sitting in a crowded classroom for long durations does pose a high risk of transmission. Post-secondary institutions have often been uh, the loci for uh, vaccination campaigns, and many have required influenza vaccines during the COVID-19 pandemic. So it is foreseeable that institutions of higher education may require SARS-CoV-2 vaccines for students, faculty, and staff as part of fall 2021 reopening plans. With regards to the the kids, so primary and secondary education, returning to in-person child education is a vital social goal, uh, given rising achievement gaps between high and low income students as well as parental needs to return to the workforce. At home, schooling is suboptimal for student learning and can cause increased mental distress in households. There's also public health justifications for safely reopening schools. Although COVID-19 is usually less severe among children, older children are a source of disease transmission. Moreover, teachers are vulnerable to SARS-CoV-2 and this they are also at risk for serious disease. Requiring SARS-CoV-2 vaccines of school children, teachers, and staff could enable students to safely return to in-person education. School mandates for COVID-19 vaccines could occur, as in addition to Advisory Council on Immunization Practice recommended childhood vaccinations. Yet mandates are not warranted until the Food and Drug Administration licenses a vaccine with reliable data on vaccine safety and efficacy among school-aged children. Even after phase three vaccine studies among children are completed and after full vaccine licensure is obtained, post-marketing safety monitoring is essential to fully characterize the risk. In 2006, the Association of Immunization Managers advised that school and childcare immunization requirements must be used sparingly, approached cautiously, and considered only after an appropriate vaccine implementation period. At that time, the organization also recommended broad public and professional support for any vaccine prior to implementing implementing, uh, mandates. Cost and vaccine supplies must also be at appropriate and acceptable levels. With regards to vaccination as a condition of service, so businesses have a duty to safeguard their customers and often impose safety safety precautions as a condition of providing services to customers. During the pandemic, many businesses have required masks and distancing for their consumers. Even before the pandemic, customers could not enter certain premises 
one in possession of a firearm or other hazardous substances. It is foreseeable that businesses in, high, in certain high-risk settings could require proof of vaccination as a condition of service, settings such as long-distance travel by plane, rail, or bus, restaurants, entertainment, venues. While states might be constitutionally barred from requiring vaccines to participate in religious worship, it is conceivable that some churches, synagogues, or mosques might consider such conditions for congregants. Local or state governments could also require vaccination as a condition of service. To ensure safety, research must first ascertain whether vaccines prevent infection or only prevent disease. The duration of immunity from vaccines is also unknown. Beyond gaps in scientific knowledge, so-called immunity passports face logistical challenges, including implementing a novel policy approach in the U.S. Any certification or immunity passport, moreover, should be explicit about what is being attested to and avoid guarantees of protection against COVID-19. If scientific and local challenges can be overcome, linking vaccinations as a condition of providing service could be an effective incentive for vaccination. Legal mandates signal clear policy support for immunizations, which can also increase resources for vaccine infrastructure. Yet mandates can undermine public support that can create a backlash and even reduce vaccine uptake. Mandates may be useful in the future, but their implementation among any population that does not widely support vaccination could be counterproductive. The purpose of risk communication is to inform decision-making, respecting individual choice. Mandates fundamentally alter this dynamic by overriding personal autonomy. Furthermore, although employers, healthcare, and educational institutions can, can, can monitor conformance with mandates, there are no clear mechanisms to enforce population-wide vaccination requirements. Immunization coverage sufficient to achieve community immunity will reap enormous health, social, and economic benefits. Limited vaccine mandates with public support in special high-risk or high-value settings and with longer-term safety data can be part of a comprehensive package of interventions to return society to a pre-pandemic life. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Ethically Source, where we discussed and, and I presented a journal article regarding the potential for mandating COVID-19 vaccines. What are your thoughts on this subject? Feel free to leave us a message. You can review the podcast, send in a, a ranking or a rating of this episode, and hit us up on social media. We're on Instagram at the Black Doctors Podcast where you can uh, comment on the episode. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Tune in on Monday for another episode of the Black Doctors Podcast. And then next Thursday again for another episode of Ethically Sourced. I'm Stephen, your friendly neighborhood anesthesiologist. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.